This podcast contains content and discussion related to cannabis, including information about its use, cultivation, and legal status. Please be advised that this content may not be suitable for all listeners. Cannabis laws and attitudes towards its use vary by country and region, and the information provided in this podcast should not be taken as legal or medical advice. If you have concerns about cannabis use or are seeking more information about your local regulations, please consult a qualified healthcare professional or government resource. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Token Outspoken Podcast, where we chat about the crazy world of Canadian cannabis. Join me, your host, Emily Moore of Token Naturals, as I dive bud first into the latest industry news, scientific advancements, and cultural impacts of this fascinating plant. From regulatory updates to insider interviews, you will always get Token's takes on the ever-evolving cannabis landscape. So, whether you're a seasoned smoker or a curious beginner, a fellow bud tender or a legacy grower, this podcast is for you. Sit back, relax, and let's light up some great conversations with me and the rest of the team at Token Naturals. This is Token Outspoken. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the weed podcast they let me make. First of all, I would like to share a huge thank you to everyone that listened to the pilot episode and the feedback that I got along the way, plus a very special shout out to my longtime friend whose listen officially allows me to claim that we have an international audience for Token Outspoken. For this week, Sarah and I were inspired by our recent struggles trying to find cool and interesting cannabis cultivars to include in Token's flower and milled flower products. The idea was originally to find some cool craft indica, sativa, and hybrid cultivars grown right here in Alberta to show off the hip microgrows in the province. Sounds simple enough, right? Well, several migraines and hours and hours of internal screaming later, we did it! Yay! But now that that batch is sold, we have to do it all over again. After much discussion about why is it so fucking hard to buy good weed, Sarah and I sat down with Brandon Redcliffe, our in-house flower procurement guy, to share our thoughts on this difficulty. We offer no solutions, at least not yet, but I hope you enjoy Brandon's charming and upbeat attitude while discussing one of his favorite things. A few notes about this episode. 1. The term flower generally refers to the dried buds of the cannabis plant that you can purchase for consumption. 2. Many people in the cannabis industry use the terms strain and cultivar interchangeably when referring to the different selective breeds of cannabis plants. Before the thousands of biologists listening start leaving me hate comments, the term strain is often applied to breeds of animals or cultured variations of microorganisms, while the term cultivar is specifically used in reference to plants. See, I may sound stupid, but I promise I ain't. I know what I'm, well, I was about to say I know what I'm doing, but (laughs) I don't. I love how you stopped yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh, never mind. (laughs) Huh, what a weird and random part of the interview clip that played there. Emily and I were like, what should we talk about? And I was like, I don't know, we're like, Braden's starting to procure cannabis for us now. Mm-hmm. And all summer long, it seems like it's the dream. And all summer long, all I was like, was like, the hardest part of my life right now is buying weed. 
And back in legacy days when things were converting, we would always say, like, make weed illegal again, please. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen t-shirts that say that, actually. The best. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's true, though, because it's like procuring legal cannabis is not easy, whether it's the customer walking into the retail store or us approaching farmers. It's a very, uh, I don't know. I think from a consumer standpoint, to start off with, it's difficult because you can't see what you're buying. Like you can go off reviews, for example, um, if you're on Reddit or what what have you, you can see reviews and see what people get, but you're not guaranteed to get that same lot. So no matter what, you don't know what you're getting. And you can just get a bum bag of stall smalls. You don't know. Um, not to mention the age of the batch, too. Like it could be like, you know, a bang and 5% terpene batch or something like that, but it's a year old and then it's 0% at that point or whatever. It's, it, it makes it difficult for a consumer. So that's pretty understandable. A consumer buying flour from a dispensary might not know what they're getting because it's hard to see the product before you buy it. Yes, freshness is a big clue as to the quality of the cannabis in the bag or the jar, but not every package has the harvested on date, a packaged on date, or even product source information. Plus, if you're new to flour, it takes time and experience to know what to look for in your flour, what questions to ask the bud tenders, and even what your own preferences are. We tried to minimize the consumer guesswork by only selling the good stuff. However, even as a licensed producer, securing that good stuff is really challenging. Why is it hard for Token to procure is because we made it hard on ourselves in order to procure the best. We all love cannabis and we have all seen a range (laughs) of qualities, a range of grow methods. It's automated a lot of the time and it takes away a lot of the hands-on care that this plant can benefit from. Not going to say that you can't grow it in an automated fashion, but the difference is wild. We started tapping into talking with the growers, the micros around that we had friends with, and they were telling us how these corporations were trying to work with them, trying to get their cultivars, and it didn't seem like a win-win to us. So we made it inevitably a lot harder on ourselves by setting standards very high with, number one, how we work with people in the industry, but then comes all the challenges that they go through in order to have their hands on their plans. So we've been working through our struggles and their struggles in order to try and have a win-win situation with the best cannabis possible. Brandon, how do you how did you come to be sort of the procurement guy and what do you do? That's a good question. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> no, I think um, I just saw a few lots come through here that I just wasn't wasn't too happy with. I was like, I don't think we should be putting our name on these on these lots doing some complaining and um i don't know yeah i think a lot of people i I talk about weed constantly love the plants and uh yeah i think that kind of got me into the the position i'm in i assume (laughs) but um yeah how how i go about choosing choosing flower i mean a variety of things for sure we are looking for sativa indica hybrid stuff like that so that plays into it a lot but also like we're looking for high terpenes good thc range and just beautiful, interesting cultivars. Going around to different farms, you, you, you get to see like how these plants are growing, what they look like, 
um, if they have any stresses, like if they're foxtailing or hermaphrodite or anything like that, you can take a look at that before we even like consider that. Hey, here I am jumping in to define some terms again. Foxtailing occurs when cannabis buds take on an irregular shape, um, which is often an indication that the plant is growing under really stressful conditions. Hermaphrodism occurs when a female cannabis plant starts growing male stamen. Yes, there are male and female cannabis plants, in case you didn't know. And hermaphroditic cannabis plants can destroy a whole crop if they're not removed immediately, as their male parts will fertilize the female parts and cause them to stop producing flowers. I'm sure you kind of get the idea. Um, also, the growing methods. Uh, if, if they're growing it properly, taking care of it properly, I always look at how well they're defoliating the plants, stuff like that. I've worked at facilities before that they had, they did no defoliation at all. Like it was just big bushes. It was nuts. Like they literally, they just like fill a room with plants, set them until they were time to come out. They'd come out, we'd harvest them. And it was just a, a mess. And it was the worst quality flower I ever saw. It was horrible. So strains and cultivars, like there's hot cultivars out there. I'm always looking for, you know, what I think would sell well. There's a variety of different uh, resources you can look into, like what what's hot at the moment. But just things that interest me as well, like if it's an interesting terpene profile that smells beautiful to me, um, I'll take it around to the team after getting a sample, see what everybody thinks about it. And if everybody's excited about it, then I'm like, all right, this is a this is a good, good strain to pick. So uh, a lot of things go into that for sure. And also freshness. I've been trying to look at batches that are about to be ready because then we can jump on that as soon as they're ready. And that that is the freshest thing that's going to hit the market. Even if it sits for a little bit, it's not going to get any fresher than that because it's we started packaging it at peak freshness essentially we were also heavily guided by what the wholesalers would purchase from us Absolutely. so we kind of merged what we wanted from our team's legacy days and we said we need to know they flush okay i promise this is the last time i'm interrupting with the dictionary Flushing is when cannabis plants are watered using just plain water with no added nutrients right at the end of their growing cycle to flush the roots. This removes the nutrient buildup and enhances the flavor of the final buds and keeps them from having a really harsh burn. We need white ash. That is craft cannabis. That is top-notch cannabis. So let's learn more about how they flush Let's learn more about how they trim and treat everything, how they're drying. We need it hang dried. We are not doing rack dried cannabis. We don't want machine trimmed cannabis. We want their hands on it. We want the best buds coming out of this place possible. We also want to ensure they cure this cannabis. So when cannabis is cured, uh, it's like dry aging. It refines, it develops, it enhances. And that is the only kind of product we wanted. Well, that product ain't cheap. It's an artisanal act. You know, this farmer has his hands on these plants all the time. Even when you look at wine, it's not a $10 bottle of wine that's going through a machine and mechanized. This is a $30 bottle of wine because their hands are on it and it takes people. As we monitor even these cultivars and as we do have excellent people continuously looking at what's hot, what's not, it still poses a challenge when we find one how fast could we move that cultivar to market? What kind of packaging, what kind of volume are they getting? Same cultivar can yield different terpenes, can yield different THC content. 
You know, so we also have that challenge that we will be looked at in comparison since it's the same cultivar name, even though it's not the same grow process. But also the newest challenge in the Canadian world of flower is that the want for new cultivars has sped up where they are looking for a new cultivar every six weeks. Our farmers can't, they don't grow every six weeks. They don't turn a crop. Well, that adds all these other factors like how much a micro cultivator can actually produce. They're not legally allowed to produce enough for us to supply that to the wholesaler. Okay. Yep. Hi. Uh, Not a dictionary definition here, just a regulatory one. To qualify as a micro-grow in Canada, you are limited to 200 square meters of grow service. In the most Canadian terms ever, 200 square meters is half of the neutral zone between the blue lines on a hockey rink. I didn't come up with that analogy, by the way. The government of Canada did. Link in the show notes. 200 square meters is not very much, and if you're trying to supply half of Canada That's not nearly enough to be stocked in a lot of stores. Like I said in the beginning, we can't offer any advice on how to overcome these challenges because we're still figuring it out ourselves. As a licensed producer, Token doesn't grow its own cannabis crop, and it remains our intention to show off other cool growers that pour love and passion into growing themselves. At the end of the day, even after venting all of our frustrations to each other, we love what we do. Did you ever think that this is where you would be working, Brandon? That your job would be, I got to go out and find some good weed. No, I mean, absolutely not. Uh, I dreamt that when I was like, you know, 15. Uh, (laughs) But no, never, never in a million years. Uh, I remember when like weed was first announced to be legalized. I was working in the oil field and I was like, I want to fucking do that. Uh, I left the oil field and started at a company right as soon as legalization happened. Actually, it was a little bit before legalization. So I was just excited to get into the industry. I had an absolute blast. It was a huge learning opportunity. I remember the first time I walked into a grow bay, I could not believe it. It was like a football stadium, massive, just plants everywhere. I was like, 15-year-old me would have just shit my pants. Like, it's just insane. So it's been a wild ride ever since. I've uh, loved every minute of it, and there's nothing else I want to do. So... I never thought that I'd be doing this uh, for a living, but I'm so fucking happy I am. I look back and I often get that, how did I get here feeling? If I hadn't responded to that job posting, I never would have seen myself working in a cannabis company. Never mind a year later, sitting in my bedroom, talking into a microphone about working for said cannabis company. Sarah's origin story is a little bit different than ours. Uh, Although I'm pretty sure that it's similar to a lot of other people out there. Sarah, I love you dearly, but after listening to your story over again, I thought there were a few details that were a little too specific. Um, So I hope everyone listening enjoys this wonderful edited version. Um, I started in cannabis two years prior to legalization. The grows that I was going to see were pretty hidden. We show up, look the part, loitering, you know, crew of five, two days on a boat, the legacy world, (laughs) under stress, in a house, we needed them. And we were sent home, kids back in daycare, the shaman, two days, 
crab fishing um, with grandparents, white collar really understood in the financial way. No, I did not foresee that. Do you see what I mean about Sarah? She's an expert for a reason. To end this episode on a high note, I asked Brandon and Sarah about their favorite cultivars. My favorites, I got two. Like, I love a good, like, sour OG. Love, love, love. Like, just, like, that gassy stuff. I'm pretty sure that's, the fir- like, the first strain I ever smoked back in the day. I remember, like, <laughs> me and my buddy, um, we'd hang out at his, at his place all the time. And we found his, his dad's uh, whatever. We found a big bag of weed in the garage. And we just, like, take a handful and go smoke it. And uh, I didn't know there were strains at all. Like, it was just, like, you know, there's is weed. But um, now, having sour OGs, that's the original fucking weed I had. And I, I just love that strain. But I have had some really good gray market Skittles that I'm just chasing after. It was like the best candy I've ever had. It was beautiful. It smelled amazing. Like anybody that come over to my house and be like, come smell this fucking weed. Like it, it, it smells like candy. Like it smells so good. <laughs> anyway, I love Skittles, Sour OG. Those are my favorites. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, back in the day, I remember going to farm in Victoria when there were those huge guys standing at the door. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going into a dispensary. Like, I was so stoked. And I came out of there with Alaskan Thunderfuck, and I will never forget it. Those terpenes, you cannot forget. They are extreme. It is the funkiest. I can't even really describe that it's a homogeny of all things good. (laughs) (laughs) but you have it you will not forget it um so alaskan thunderfuck but i'm a blue dreams girl give me some blue terps but blue dreams i like a smack of a sativa because i work way too much um so i always need that instead of an espresso and i think the one that i have never had on the legal market that i wish i could find is grape la Grape LA was the most robust grapey terps i have ever experienced Yep. Yep. Absolutely. This goes back to what you were talking about earlier with like different, uh, same cultivar, different growing methods, that kind of stuff. Um, with Blue Dream in Canada, there is a wide variety of Blue Dream. Blue Dream. Some smells like cat piss. Others smells like, you know, fresh blueberry, depending on where you get it from. Um, and you don't know that until you buy it. So that's really frustrating. But uh, yeah, there's some really, really, really good options out there for Blue Dream currently. Um, although I haven't seen it in Alberta in a minute. So I, I do love Blue Dream as well. I'm just excited to see more micros uh, sprout up. Like it's really fun to see new micros coming coming on online, seeing what they're growing, seeing what they're excited about, um, seeing what they're passionate about. It's really, really cool to see how passionate these growers are when they're when people are passionate about the plant, like all these growers, it's it's a blast to talk talk to them about that and like what they're excited about, what strains they're excited to be growing. I'm excited about that. Well, thank you so much for Brandon for jumping on. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. But it's nice to have a chat with our own in-house connoisseur and his experience with all this good stuff. So hopefully we'll have some cool insights later and, and we'll have you back on. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Token Outspoken. This episode was produced, edited and hosted by me, Emily Moore. If you liked what you heard, subscribe for more in-depth conversations and expert insights on the Canadian cannabis industry. Leave us a review and help others find us. And if you are of legal consumption age, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Token Naturals, or visit our website, tokennaturals.com. TTFN, Team Token for Nachos. I'm
I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, but the ones that I do, like Dax Shepard's Armchair Experts is like my favorite. Mm -hmm. And it's super cash. I hate to like name drop anyone, but like who just is like, what is who is it? Does it exist? Is it Dr. Evil? Like, I'll edit that out. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) 